Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Makai Ito returning to Japan, the current timetable for the WWE Network and Peacock, and I take you through the top 10 unluckiest pro wrestlers today. Happy St. Patrick's Day, I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DTT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode, and remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Jaden Becker TV. Last night was Impact Wrestling. Before we get into that, let's check out our news. Makai Ito returning to Japan. Ito closed up her brief AEW tenure after a loss to Riho Monday night on the her debut, and everyone's debut for that matter, on AEW Dark Elevation. Uh, through a tweet, Ito announced that her future scheduled with AEW has yet to been decided, and she's going to head back to Japan and no longer be with AEW, at least currently not going to be with them at the moment. Uh, but I think she has served her purpose for the AEW uh, Eliminators Challenge, and I think uh, she did a great job uh, as well because now everyone knows who Makai Ito is, especially over here in the States. Whether if you liked her or not, it's a completely different question, and I think it does nothing to do with her gimmick per se. I think it's just how her gimmick is perceived by the American audience, which would be a little bit differently perceived by the Japanese audience. It's just it's a give and take there. Either way, I think hopefully if we ever see her again one day, uh, she'll definitely be a star in AEW if given the right time, momentum, and all the push that she can get. I think she can be pretty big in AEW, but maybe now is just not the time. Here is the current timetable for the WWE Network and Peacock. Thursday, March 18th, WWE Network content becomes available on Peacock and will continue to stream on the WWE Network. On Sunday, March 21st, Fastlane will be available to stream both on Peacock and the WWE Network. So you do not have to have Peacock by Fastlane because the WWE Network will also have it as well. So just remember that dynamic there. And Sunday, April 4th, WWE Network sunsets for users in the United States, making Peacock the exclusive home for WWE Network content in the U.S. If you live outside of the United States, you can continue to access and enjoy WWE Network content as you do today. So no change for you if you live outside the United States. You continue to get to use your great search engine and uh, all the stuff that I wish I'm going to continue to have in the states here and uh, i think it's a little bit of a shame but i guess we'll sort of have to see how peacock is going to really work uh march 18th is the day and uh march uh i believe excuse me april 10th and uh april 11th uh the wrestlemania 37 streams exclusively on peacock in the u.s so uh, i don't I, that's also a good question to ask as well as if someone let's say they want to buy it for whatever reason on pay-per-view through cable or if they want to buy it through fight tv because i think you're able to do that i at least you used to be able to do that uh, obviously it's going to cost you a super duper premium 50 60 or whatever because uh the rights or whatever but 
Um, I wonder if that is still a possibility or if Peacock is, is so exclusive that I can't find it anywhere else. That's my question. But uh, what I give to you is the timetable. And March 18th is the day for uh, us uh, us in the U.S. And April 4th is even more of the day as we can no longer use the WWE Network. So if you want to watch anything and make sure you see it, watch it before April, April 4th because we don't know what Peacock holds, uh, especially going forward. We are going to get right into our show review for last night's Impact Wrestling. But before we get into that, let us thank our sponsor, Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology development to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners, 20% off free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That is FANSIDED20, all caps, at manscaped.com for 20% off your order plus free shipping. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for your job with Manscaped. Getting into our Impact Wrestling review, Finn Juice versus Triple XL to start the show. A great quote here by Matt Stryker. Uh, In the age of information, being ignorant is a choice. Uh, Nothing to do with pro wrestling, but what a nice quote. What a nice quote there by Matt Stryker. I felt like I had to point it out because he almost started the show with it at this point. Uh, Finn Juice with a strong double-team move early on, and they decided to do that mostly throughout the match. Finley enters on a hot tag and keeps Finn Juice in control. A lot of flapjack double-team moves, uh, as I mentioned. Uh, Acid drops to pick up the victory for Finn Juice. Quick, easy, fun. A great way to start the show. Wasn't too, too heavy. Uh, wasn't so much to take in early on, but sometimes these quick ones where it's not really a squash, but it's a fast-paced match that moves, especially with Triple XL in there. For it to be a fast-paced match, I thought that was really, really nice. Uh, the Good Brothers enter say that they weren't prepared for their match at Sacrifice and ask for a rematch. Finn Juice accepts, but they say that they're going to Japan, so the Good Brothers are going to have to wait until April. Uh, good for Impact they're making the move for Finn Juice to carry the Impact flag at New Japan Pro Wrestling. A smart move on them. Uh, I gave a lot of uh, hate to them. I wouldn't say hate, but I gave a lot of uh, discredit to them, saying that why would you take the belts off the Good Brothers? They wa- waved the flag in Impact Wrestling. Well, maybe they waved the flag a good amount where everyone in AEW knows who the Good Brothers are and they know who Impact is obviously now and now go over to Japan and fly the flag over there so if they didn't do that I think this still would have been a bad decision given the fact that Finjuice wouldn't have been moving anywhere but now that they're going to Japan and going to wave that flag there of the Impact Tag Team titles over in Japan I can only imagine how much it would bring in for uh, impact here in the state so uh, good on I guess I have to say good on impact they proved me wrong by having Finn Juice go back to Japan Sammy Callahan segment uh, I, I really couldn't understand most of it very over edited and the graphics were overly distracting uh, it's always too much for me Sammy Callahan I feel like for him less is more and uh, he just doing so much stuff with his word manipulation, with, with the, just the editing, the overlays. You could barely understand him throughout most of the show. So, and especially with when he had, has those promos like that, very confusing. And uh, even though the in-ring stuff that he does is great, as we'll see in the main event, 
Uh, I just think his promo stuff, it's not that he's doing bad. It's just that it's over-edited and over too many graphics. It's just way too much for me. And I think way too much for the average viewer at home that's just trying to interpret what he's saying. Next match, Rhino with Violent by Design versus Jake Something with Storm and Sabin. Uh, Sabin and Storm are attacked on the outside by Doring and Diener early on in the match. Something is distracted and a gore by Rhino to pick up the win. Uh, the match isn't as fast how I, how as I described it, but it was a pretty quick match. Uh, Violent by Design attacks all three after the match. Uh, I'd have to admit, Violent by Design has gotten cooler over time and good on them because early on, I really didn't understand Eric Young's motive on why he was doing this in Violent by Design. He's like, oh, this is this is my world. This is I live in this world. This is mine. I own this. You're, you're all living in my world. And uh, I, I guess that is enough but now it's sort of looking more like a cult aspect and people are joining in not so much of a sense of of a, of a crazy cult where they wear flowers on their heads and stuff like that but a cult in a sense of uh, a violent uh, a violent cult which um i think suits eric young very very well uh, i still don't understand rhino in this group to be honest with you given that doring is the muscle for it but uh, and for Rhino to be brainwashed like that, it just didn't doesn't do much for me. It just doesn't do much for me, given uh, that it's Rhino. Uh, Rahit Raju versus Shira. Uh, this match was made last week after uh, Shira confronted Raju uh, in a backstage altercation, saying that Shira doesn't need Raju, and Raju now saying that don't bite the hand that feeds you. Uh, Shira manhandles Raju to start the match. Raju. Uh, does have some offense and he's able to do that by outsmarting Shira to take advantage. Shira with the obvious uh, force in this match. He was the obvious person that was really dominant. But at the end of the day, Raju does pick up the roll-up victory with the feet on the ropes, giving him the win and the win also as well in that, that mind game advantage, saying that I, I beat you by outsmarting you. Uh, the match was also kind of short as well, and you know, a lot of short matches early on in this episode, to be honest with you, but I, they were saving time for the main event, so I will say that. Rich Swan segment, he's holding both the Impact and TNA World titles. Swan may not like Moose, he said, but he does respect him. Uh, Swan cuts a promo on him not winning the AEW title, uh, but the moment in history that Rebellion will be. Uh, Don Callis enters and hugs Rich Swan. Callis saying that Swan was his guy and advocated for him at every moment possible. Uh, back when Swan made his debut and got injured and won the Impact title. So uh, going through all those steps there, he was able to be a part of that lifestyle with Rich Swan and being a part of that moment. Uh, Rich Swan being able to win that Impact World title. Uh, that's what Callus claims. Uh, Callus moved on to Kenny Omega, he said, and he puts over the One Wing Angel as a reminder that no one has ever kicked out of the One Wing Angel. Swan left demoralized and hopeless. Uh, they started talking about this maneuver, the One Wing Angel, and I don't think Swan is going to be the guy to kick out of that One Wing Angel, to be honest with you. Uh, I know it might sound weird, but you have to save it for someone or something special. And this is a pretty special moment between Impact and AEW, but I just don't think Swan is the guy to be the one to kick out of the One Wing Angel. I really, really don't. You have a move that everyone understands is special. Everyone understands that it's special. And to, I don't want to say waste because I don't think Rich want to be a waste of something kicking out. This is a big moment for AW and Impact Wrestling in, in history. But 
Uh, I think there could be possibly bigger moments in the future for Kenny Omega. I really, really do. There could be bigger moments, and I hope we we are able to see that. And with the one ring, one wing angel revolving around that, uh, that could be pretty big as well. Tonight, uh, AEW is hosting their St. Patrick's Day Slam, and on last night's episode, uh, they had a paid ad for it. I thought that was very nice. Tony Khan's still wearing his heart glasses. I was hoping he would get some shamrock glasses or whatever. Maybe put on a Celtics jersey. Why not at this point? But, uh, yeah, I love those paid paid ads. wasn't my favorite one this time. Just didn't wasn't nothing special. There was nothing uh, crazy about it, but it still was a nice paid ad, and AEW does a good job with those always. Six-on-six six knockouts, tag team match. Uh, welcome back, Alicia. She finally makes her way back into in-ring form. Uh, the match looks like this. Alicia, Jordan Grace, Jazz, ODB, Havoc, and Nevea. They take on Tennille Dashwood, Deanna Perazu, Kimberly, Susan, Kira Hogan, and Tasha Steeles. So pretty much the baby faces versus the heels in this situation. Chaos ensues throughout most of this match. Big dive to the outside, downing everyone into the break. And the end of the match looks like Jazz locking in the STF to tap out Kimberly for the victory. Uh, I never like when any in any division, doesn't matter men's, women's, doesn't matter tag team singles, I don't like when they shove it all down my throat at the same time. I don't like the fact that you know I get to see the whole women's division at once. I guess it depends on the situation, but... You know, for a battle royal, it's one thing, but just for a six-on-six tag team match, it's kind of something else, especially when there's no motive to it. Like, why are they having this match? It's not for a future title opportunity or anything like that. You know, in a battle royal or something like that, usually this number one contendership or something, that makes me understand, okay, I will see the whole roster here for the women's division or the men's singles division or whatever because they're all fighting for a certain thing. For here, they're just fighting just to fight. Which uh, it didn't really make much sense to me, but uh, they usually ha- they have they have been doing this lately. Impact they've been promoting all their knockouts at once, and usually be one big match, uh, whether it be a three way tag team match or if it would be a triple threat or something along those lines. There where they really have everyone either ringside there's in a mar- managerial role or now like this. I really hope this is where it comes to a head and it goes back to or goes to a point where it's just normal booking as if you're booking the men. There's no real reason why it should be any different. Moving on to our main event, Sammy Callahan versus Trey Miguel. Uh, Miguel sprints to the ring, starting the match in a hurry. The match falls to the outside very early as well. Callahan attacking the ankle of Miguel throughout the match. Miguel fighting it back and trying his best to stay in the match with a fire lit underneath him. Solid back and forth with kickouts and rope breaks by Trey Miguel and Sammy Callahan. Although a valiant effort, Sammy Callahan picks up the win with a package pile driver. And this was a true main event. When I say a true main event, this was a main event that actually looked worthy of a, being a main event match. Uh, I, I, given the the way that Impact's been booking things, uh, I would I was surprised that this was the main event and not the show open because this was the match I was most excited for. And usually they open the show with those matches. They opened it with the, the Jake something Diener tables match. They opened it with the uh, TJP Josh Alexander. Uh, X Division match, so they opened these shows with the matches I'm most excited for, and this one finally felt it, it is main event worthy. This was even honestly pay per view worthy, 
and they main evented with it. And I think they did a great job. They put on a match. I think that went through like three commercial breaks. It was a pretty long match, thus giving us the reason why all those matches prior were shorter to save time for this one. And I thought it was pretty solid. I thought Impact did put on a pretty good show. I'm going to give them a C plus, and that's pretty good for Impact if you know me, it, especially given the issues and the Impact currently holds all the time with uh, production value but c plus that's pretty solid for an impact you know sometimes i give them d's because that's what i feel like they deserve but i'll take the they'll take the c plus here on a good show in a very very solid main event a, a main event worthy match to end an impact uh, i feel like it's something that they've been lacking for the past few weeks past few months even you know you don't really see that main event worthy thing sometimes the time you'll see it but not not always and i've feel like I finally got it here. We're going to head into the break, but when we come back, it's St. Patrick's Day, and usually we talk about the lucky things in life, but how about I flip the script a little bit, talk about the top 10 unluckiest pro wrestlers right now. Uh, this was a top 5 list, but ended up turning into a top 10 list. So that's how you know I really got my brain jogging for this one. So stick with us right here on the Daily GGT Podcast. You're not going to want to miss out. On this day in pro wrestling history, on March 17th, 2002, WrestleMania 18 took place from the Sky Dome in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. This WrestleMania is best known for the Icon vs. Icon match, which was Hulk Hogan vs. The Rock. Also had the Undertaker streak match that was against Ric Flair. And Triple H vs. Chris Jericho for the WWF Undisputed Championship in the main event. The Sky Dome held a little bit over 68,000 people for the event. WrestleMania, or well, this WrestleMania is often looked at fondly, especially with the ruckus up north uh, and all the great Canadian professional wrestling fans. Uh, shout out to all my Canadian listeners out there. I know you're there, and you guys are fantastic, fantastic listeners. Uh, we're going to move on to our St. Patrick's Day segment. You know I had to break something out for this one, and I feel like this is a special one here for me, especially because, uh, as I said before the break, this was originally supposed to be a top five list. And sometimes it's tough to do a top ten list, especially in this uh, B block of a show. I don't I don't like to make these go a little bit too long. You know, I don't want these shows going to an hour or anything like that, but I felt like I, I had so much in my head. I had to make it a top ten list for you and uh, give you all the top 10 unluckiest pro wrestlers right now uh, around the world of professional wrestling so it's not just wwe i try to expand uh, and span through everything from wwe to impact to AEW, and i feel like i have a good mixed here a good mixed bag here for you on this saint patrick's day i hope you're celebrating well hope you're celebrating safe and celebrating smart but uh definitely celebrate well because i think we all deserve it now on this saint patrick's day we didn't get to do it last year so let's let's do it this year uh but at number 10 uh i'm gonna put moose here uh, might not be much uh, unlucky as much as he was disrespected as I talked about uh, a few episodes back, uh, but he had a chance to be at one of the most anticipated moments in Impact history, and Impact decided to go in the other direction with Rich Swan, even though Moose more deserved the, the position more than Rich Swan did, given that all that Moose has done for Impact Wrestling, especially looking back at Hard to Kill. I talk about Moose and Hard to Kill all the time, but I feel like that is the highlight of his career, and that match really put him on the map for me. I know everyone looks at him in Ring of Honor. I really look at him at that match in Impact Wrestling against uh, 
Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers with him teaming up with Saban and Rich Swan. He stole that show, and for him to not get what he deserves there, it, it might be a disrespectful thing, but I also feel like it's kind of unlucky given the fact that he's put in so much effort and uh, so much time into really honing this craft down and being one of the best big men in professional wrestling. It's definitely an unlucky spot to be in, especially given the fact that uh, this was probably all put in place. Rich uh, Moose wasn't even supposed to be involved in that match in the first place at Hard to Kill. So... Uh, Rich Swan was pinned by Kenny Omega. I understand the booking there, but it's unlucky that this booking has been put in place for seemingly months now, and it's been set in stone. Moose is more deserving, but Rich Swan was a part of the original plan. Unlucky spot there for Moose, but I put him at num number 10, given that it's also more of a disrespectful thing as well. It's not really truly, truly unlucky, but he also falls in that realm of being unlucky as well, given the fact that these things were put in place before he really made it big an impact. And number nine, this is a fun one. I think people might get mad at me for this one for saying this, but anyone in AEW that wasn't signed in 2019, all of them, almost all of them unlucky, besides a select few being the big signings in 2020, the guys that came from WWE, some of the guys that came from Impact, you know, sparingly here and there, uh, the big names, the Miros of the world, the Brian Cages of the world, you know what I'm talking about. If you weren't signed in 2019, uh, you are in no position to succeed on a large scale as it currently stands. Uh, you'll find yourself in AEW Dark, you'll find yourself in AEW Dark Elevation. It's going to be really, really tough for you to succeed because AEW really, really likes those guys that signed, especially in the very, very beginning with AEW, and they have pushed them to the moon and back, moon and back, moon and back a thousand times over. If you were signed in 2020 or later, uh, it's a tough road for you. And I continue to wonder how well AEW is going to be able to develop its own talent from the ground up without the groundwork being laid from Impact or the WWE. These are my shots being thrown at AEW at the moment because everyone seems to just praise AEW all the time. I feel like they do need to be checked at some points and this is where some of the points where they need to be checked. We complain all the time about WWE consistently pushing the same guys. If you compare a card from 2008 and compare it to today, you're going to see some of the similar names, but you look at the some of the cards for AEW uh, back in 2019, they look kind of similar to some of the cards you see today. Some of the big names, just look at uh, the Young Bucks and Chris Jericho and MJF. They're continuing to have matches together and everything like that. You know, Kenny Omega still a big name. Obviously, I'm not knocking Kenny Omega, but you, I want to see new names pop up in AEW instead of the same names being shifted around into different spots in the card against just in different rivalries. To me, I want to see newer faces, fresher faces that are legitimate contenders for titles and legitimate faces for, for, for contendership in AW Dynamite instead of the realm of AW Dark where it, it's dark for them. It's just continuously dark. And uh, that's what I have at number nine. All Everyone in AEW that wasn't signed 2019, very unlucky at this point because they're not getting what they deserve. At number eight, I'm going with Bobby Fish here. Talk about getting injured at the absolute worst time. The faction you're a part of, the Undisputed Era, crumbles around you and you're stuck on the sideline to watch. That must be tough and definitely 
definitely unlucky. Uh, this can work out in Bobby Fish's favor, however, if NXT decides to bring him back into the fold when he's healthy, which I assume they will. There's no reason why not. He was a part of the Undisputed Era, and as it crumbled, he was away. Now he's back. How will they bring him into the fold? It could work out well for him, but right now they're in the absolute thick of it, the Undisputed Era being broken up. And for Bobby Fish to not be there because of injury, and to not even be on TV because of injury, Definitely hurts his stock a little bit, and it's understandable why he's unlucky at this moment because there's nothing he could have done. He's injured after the War Games match. He is injured, and for him to be on the sideline, uh, it's not a good look, and uh, definitely an unlucky look at that. At number seven, uh, I'm going with Lacey Evans, but you got to hear me out here. You got to hear me out the whole way with Lacey Evans. In the grand scheme of life, getting pregnant is a great thing. I'm not going to deny that. But looking at this from a career perspective, Evans was set to win the WWE Raw Women's Championship from Asuka at Elimination Chamber. But her pregnancy stopped those plans. A tough break when it comes to uh, progress in her career. But at the same time, the only reason she's gone is because of pregnancy. So is it unlucky? Yes. From a career standpoint, it's unlucky. And that's why I have it at number seven because it's not like she was just going to have an average match at Elimination Chamber. She was going to win the Raw Women's Championship. It was confirmed that she, she was set to win the title. But for her to get pregnant, an unlucky spot there from a career perspective. I want to make sure that's clear from a career perspective. It's unlucky. But in the grand scheme of life, Congratulations to Lacey Evans, you know, that, that that's huge to, you, to have a baby. But from a career perspective, unlucky spot to be in, especially given the fact that you're about to win the top prize for the Raw Women's Division. Tough spot. And number six, I'm going with the Ragged Squad. And now we're really talking about some unlucky people right here. As soon as they get a semblance of hope, uh, the Riot Squad does uh, some form of respect in the women's uh, tag team division, at least something, a, a crumb at least. Uh, the Riot Squad gets pulled to the side and made to look like fools to either tag teams that are brand new in the division or singles competitors teaming up for the heck of it. Just just to say that they did it, the Riot Squad end up getting beaten time in, time out, and the Riot Squad deserve better and have been extremely unlucky when it comes down to booking. Uh, they just never seem to be in the right place at the right time for them to get an opportunity at the WWE Women's Tag Team titles, even though they are more than deserving of it, given how long they've been a tag team in the women's division. They should be deserving. They've been around when the Iconics were around. So for them to not be in the conversation for the WWE Women's Tag Team titles definitely hurts them for me, especially the fact that Tamina and Natalia, brand new on the scene, are definitely booked and perceived a lot more stronger than them. And for them to be in the conversation for the tag team titles for the women's division definitely hurts the Riot Squad for me. It's an unlucky look for the Riot Squad as well, given the fact that they definitely have the opportunities to be there, but every time it seems like it's their time, someone else or another storyline interferes in theirs, thus putting them in an unlucky position. At number five, I'm going with Asuka. And if you want to talk about unlucky booking, Asuka stands right in the middle of that conversation. She is right there 
in the thick of it when it comes down to unlucky booking. Uh, Asuka has not had a formidable opponent in months, and WWE doesn't seem to recognize that Mickey James, of all people, isn't a title contender anymore in the WWE. Asuka has had to work pre-shows defending her Raw Women's title, and as soon as she's put up against a true challenger in Shayna Baszler, Asuka's teeth are knocked out, and she gets a concussion. So as soon as she finally makes a move for a match, for something to happen, for her to lose her title and progress, uh, losing her title at this point would be a progression given the fact that she's become stale in the women's division. I honestly want to see Asuka off TV, not because she's bad, but she just needs a clean reset at this point because uh, we need to see Asuka come back and be fresh as can be and ready to uh, once again take over the women's division. But they got to take the belt off of her at this point. And every opportunity that seems to come at this point for Asuka either be, is taken away because of Lacey Evans' pregnancy, they, there's no one formidable for her to go up against. And as soon as there is someone formidable for her to come up, to, up against, she gets injured by the person that she's supposed to have the match with, with their teeth being kicked out and getting a concussion. Not a good look and very unlucky for Asuka. At number four, here's a fun one. Once again, poking in some fun at AEW. Uh, anyone involved in the exploding barbed wire death match at AEW Revolution? Uh, what more can I say? Uh, they rolled the dice on a lackluster explosion, hoping for a happy response from us, the fans, and they got what's coming to them. Uh, Tony Khan in this situation isn't unlucky. He's just the moron in this situation that decided to put on uh, a, a sad a light show instead of an explosion. Everyone wanted to see an explosion when it came down to it. Uh, we weren't able to get that when it came down to uh, the end of the show for AEW Revolution. So anyone involved, honestly, on that whole card, so we're talking about Moxley, Omega, Kingston, the Good Brothers, Don Callis, and the rest of the card on AEW Revolution are extremely unlucky for the show having to end on a dud, leaving a sour taste in everyone's mouth after a very, very solid pay-per-view. The pay-per-view was good as a whole. If if the show ended between the bells of the, or at the final bell of the Exploding Barbara Deathmatch, I think we would be talking about uh, one of the best shows we've seen in a while from AEW, and the numbers prove it, especially by the buy rates, because we were hoping for such a great explosion. But the end of the show is for forever is going to be what AEW Revolution 2021 is going to be remembered by. The end of that show. It's going to be a dud of an explosion, and that's what everyone is going to think about going forward. Uh, Ethan Page at number three. And this might be Jane, Ethan Page, unlucky. You got to explain this to me. Oh, no problem. But he might be one of the most unlucky people, not just in pro wrestling, but in the face of the earth at this point. Uh, he does have some good quads. That's why he's at number three. But at, at some points, he is just has absolutely no luck uh, whatsoever. Uh, looking back at Hard to Kill... Uh, for Impact Wrestling, before he made his way to AEW, uh, he had the match with himself, uh, the Karate Man match. The production value of this match was so bad, it was almost unwatchable. It was so bad it made Ethan Page embarrassed, given that uh, he, he he had no say in the editing process of it or the production value process of it. It was so bad that it was the final straw that led him to leave Impact and then end up joining AEW. And you might say Jaden. Uh, AEW is a good thing, uh, which I would agree with. Him joining AEW is definitely a step in the right direction. But on his first match on AEW Dynamite, 
basketball audio played over his entire match, thus taking away from a pretty big moment for Ethan Page in his career. It seems like wherever he goes, the bad luck follows with him, and I, I give my hopes and prayers to Ethan Page that this, this doesn't continue. I hope this stops for him because he's too good of a professional wrestler for him to be disrespected by... Uh, the 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 audio team of basketball of the NBA it seems like, and w whatever they have going on at, at Impact for that match that was just an absolute mess. So much so it led him to leave Impact as a whole. So I'm wishing for him the best of luck going forward because it, he has been so unlucky that I think we all need him to throw some luck this his way. Uh, hope hopefully the St. Patrick's Day treats him well in the luck department. At number two, looking back at the WWE now, anyone who is in the gaggle of wrestlers going for the 24-7 title, I feel like I, this list could have gone on to a top 20 if I added all of these guys, but I feel like putting them all together and putting them at number two is solid for them. Uh, getting to this point of the list, I can't tell if it's bad luck anymore or if it's just sad. If it's just really sad for these guys, uh, Drew Gulak, Akira Tozawa, Angel Garza, uh, Lince Dorado, Tucker, Eric, all names that can work some great in-ring magic but are either sidelined due to a tag team injury, like how Eric is, because Ivar out with injury, Eric has to be involved some way or shape or form on TV to keep himself relevant. But because of uh, the tag team injury, uh, he can't really do any matches in ring as a singles guy. And uh, some of these other guys, WWE has nothing for them except these 24-7 title. Uh, Akira Tozawa, Angel Garza, Lince Dorado, they really had nothing for them at the moment. And one of the biggest names I mentioned, Drew Gulak, we all know how great of a wizard he can be in ring. You know, we saw that match he had with AJ Styles. And people were saying, oh, this, this is a technical masterpiece. If you put a ROH on the turnbuckles, you, you would be teleported back in, back in time, if you will. You know, if you put a different logo on the turnbuckles and maybe made a, pr a pure rules match, why not? You know, throw everything at the walls for it. But that's what I'm saying. Drew Gulak can be that type of guy, but it hasn't been recognized like that on the main roster. Not even close to anywhere near that. So uh, as long as they all fight for this 24-7 title, they're in an unlucky position given the fact that WWE just has nothing for them. And one one guy there because of an injury uh, to his teammate, which is unlucky within itself, but everyone else unlucky because WWE just can't think of anything for them to do for, for the amount of program timing they have. And that's, that's going to lead me to number one. And it, it's even worse at this point for this guy. And number one is Andrade. Right now, he is the most unluckiest person in professional wrestling today. Why? At least the 24-7 title guys are, are on TV. You know, at least they're talked about. You know, at least they're, they're brought up in, in casual conversation, uh, these 24-7 title guys. Andrade is so unlucky for being too good to be on TV for the lower card and fight for the 24-7 title. But WWE can't find anything for him on the seven hours worth of programming that they have per week. And that's not even counting NXT UK. I don't expect him to go there. But you have Raw, three hours. You have NXT UK, regular NXT, I apologize. That's another two hours. And you have SmackDown. That's another two hours there. You have nothing for him on seven hours worth of programming. You can't get him in 
anywhere, anywhere for a match, even a squash. I don't even care at this point. You've got to get Andrade on TV. And that will forever continue to boggle my mind how much programming time that they have on national television, on international television be that, and they can't get him uh, any time slot for, for that matter. And even more unlucky as well, for him taking the initiative and asking for his release only for the WWE to say no. He took the initiative, made a decision for himself saying that I do not want to be in the WWE anymore. Please release me. And the WWE saying no. How much more unlucky can you be? Because with, with Ethan Page, I talked about him being one of the most unlucky people on the face of the earth at the moment. At least he's in a fantastic spot. He's on AEW, he's getting matches, and he's progressing forward with his career. Andrade is rolling back in his career, so much so that he's trying to leave where he's currently at, and they're not letting him. So he's stuck in no man's land, where he can't be on WWE television because they're not giving him any TV time, nor can he be anywhere else because the WWE doesn't want him to go anywhere else because he's under contract. Talk about being in between a rock and a hard place. A very unlucky spot for Andrade. And that is my top 10 list of the unluckiest pro wrestlers right now. And on this St. Patrick's Day, you can only hope for... Uh, it's There's more than 10 people on that list, obviously. But uh, you can only hope for those people to, to reach a, a luckier spot in life. Especially Andrade, because uh, he is in a, a rock and a hard place, as I mentioned. Looking on to our next episode tonight is AEW Dynamite and WWE NXT. We will be talking about that uh, on AEW Dynamite. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson from Impact Wrestling, the Good Brothers. Uh, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa in an unsanctioned lights out match. Uh, this is supposed to be the main event, which I'm excited to see. Uh, Cody Rhodes versus Penta El Zeta Meadow. Uh, that is the opening for AEW Dynamite. And uh, Matt Hardy, Mark Quinn, Isaiah Cassidy, The Butcher, and The Blade versus Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, Marco Sun, and Bear Country in a 10-man tag team match. Uh, which is, I believe, I, I, I'm thinking, and I could be wrong here, but I think that was supposed to be on last week, but now it's on this week. And uh, Jade Cargo will be in action. The, this AEW Dynamite has been dubbed uh, St. Patrick's Day Slam or St. Patrick's Slam, something like that. And uh, you know, when they have a name to to the show, you know, it adds a little bit of spice. It adds a little bit of flavor, especially with um, the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match. I'm really, really excited to see that on for the main event. Looking on to WWE NXT, uh, Dexter Loomis versus Austin Theory, LA Knight making his in-ring debut, and I'm hesitant to say much else given the COVID-19 situation in NXT at the moment. But that's what what I told you is what WWE is promoting on their website as of um, me recording this at uh, 1 in the morning. So there you go. Uh, ho hopefully things uh, we see things change, and uh, the card is probably going to be different than what they announced from last week, what they were trying to promote. And uh, obviously so, given COVID-19 uh, being an issue in the WWE Performance Center and NXT at the moment. But that's all for me. Remember to get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and using the code 
FANSIDED20, all caps there. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast. Happy St. Patrick's Day.